Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I told you the Old Testament divides into how many major sections? I mean, anybody know? Just yell out. Four. Very good. The law, history, poetry, and prophecy. The law, history, poetry, and prophecy. The law relates to Israel's moral life. Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Leviticus. Uh, the history books relate to Israel's national development. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. The poetry books relate to Israel's spiritual life. So the law relates to their moral life. The history books relate to their national development. And the poetry books relate to their spiritual life. Job, Proverbs, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, the Song of Solomon. And then you have the prophetic books. Uh, They relate to Israel's future life as fulfilled in the Messiah. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. The prophetic books are divided into how many sections? I'm doing this. I'm not saying peace, my brothers and sisters. I'm trying to help y'all with the answers. I'm going to do that again. That didn't go right. The prophetic books are divided into how many sections? No need to yell. The major prophets and the minor prophets. The major prophets are called the major prophets because of their length. The minor prophets are called the minor prophets because they are smaller than the major prophets. The major prophets aren't aren't called the major prophets because they are in the major league, because some of the minor prophets, although major in their message, have a powerful impact. The major prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, which was also written by Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. The 12 minor prophets, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, And Malachi, repeat those back to me. Just kidding. Now we're in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel's in the historical section. The outline, you got a pen? The outline for 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 1 through 7 is written about Samuel. 1 Samuel 8 through 15 is written about Saul. Really simple. 1 Samuel 1 through 7 is written about Samuel. 1 Samuel 8 through 15 is written about Saul. Saul is the first king of Israel. 1 Samuel 16 through 31 
is written about David. 1 through 7 equals Saul. 8 through 15 equals, pardon me, 1 through 7 equals Samuel. 8 through 15 equals Saul. 16 through 31 is written about David. Remember I told you that 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Chronicles is a running commentary on the history of the nation of Israel. 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings was originally a single translation. I told you that 1st Samuel is a transition book from the time of Judges to the time of the kings and the prophets. This book moves us into a time of monarchy. We'll talk about that tonight and prophetic ministry. Remember, I told you that Samuel is the last of the judges and the first of the prophets. Let me give you a bit of backdrop. First Samuel is during the time of the judges, as I mentioned, when every man was doing what was right in his own eyes. Are you listening? The spiritual condition and the political atmosphere was at an all-time low. It was a dark time in Israel, so dark that God was not speaking to Israel. The spiritual leaders were corrupt. God's people were disobeying his word and not listening to God. And since man wasn't listening to God, God didn't bother to speak. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. The word of the Lord was rare, and there was no widespread revelation. And 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 lays the groundwork for Ichabod. Ichabod, that means what? The glory of the Lord is departed. Okay, let's go through the chapters together. Chapter 1, quickly, Hannah prayed for a son, promised to give him back to the Lord all the days of his life. God heard her prayer, and God gave Hannah a son. His name is who? Samuel. Very good. Hannah gave Samuel back to the Lord after he was weaned. She took him to the temple in Shiloh and dropped him off and left him with Eli. Chapter 2, we have Hannah's prayer of thanksgiving. Hannah left little Sammy in the hands and the leadership of Eli, the high priest. Eli had two sons, Hophni and, anybody know the other guy? Phineas, very good, who were corrupt. Corrupt means, taking notes, wicked and worthless. Wicked and worthless. Hophni and Phineas were wicked and worthless because they did evil things in the temple of the Lord. But even around this influence, Sammy grew up and ministered to the Lord. Chapter 2, verse 26. You can trek with me through these chapters. Chapter 2, verse 26, Samuel grew in stature and favor with men and the Lord. This was a serious contrast to the wickedness of Eli's sons. Chapter 3, Samuel's ministering in the tabernacle. God called Samuel three times. Samuel thought Eli was calling. Look at chapter 3, verse 9. Eli said, the next time you hear the voice, say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Sure enough, Samuel goes and lays down. He hears Samuel, Samuel, Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant hears in verse 10 of chapter three. God said, Samuel, I'm going to do something that's going to make Israel's ears tingle. I absolutely love that in verse 11, chapter three, make their ears tingle. That means it's going to be severe, swift judgment. Chapter four is a chapter of great loss. Israel lost 4,000 men in battle to the Philistines. Chapter 4, verse 2. Lost 4,000 men in battle to the Philistines. They lost the Ark of God as it was captured by the Philistines. They lost Hophni and Phinehas. They're dead. They lost 30,000 foot soldiers in battle. They're dead. They lost Eli, the high priest, who is dead. 
Phineas' wife hears that her father-in-law Eli and her husband Hophni are dead, and they lose her. She dies on the birthing table. But before she dies, she had a son, and she named her child Ichabod. Isn't that a name to give your son? Ladies, if you're looking for a name for your son, don't use Ichabod. Kids are ruthless. Ichabod. Ichabod means the glory of the Lord is departed. And the reason the glory of the Lord is departed is because the ark of God, which means the glory of the Lord, had been captured. The ark of God was captured. And so the glory of the Lord had been captured. Chapter 5. The Ark of the Covenant is in the possession of the Philistines, and they take it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Look at chapter 5. Just peruse with me. The Philistines are feeling a sense of great victory because when you capture the people in their minds, it was a battle of the gods. So when the Philistines captured the Ark and defeated the people, it was a victory for their god, Dagon, over Jehovah. Look at verse 6 of chapter 5. It tells us the hand of the Lord was heavy and angry on the people. Of Ashdod, and God ravaged them and struck them with hemorrhoids. And they decided to send the ark of the Lord to their friends in Gath. With friends like that, who needs enemies? Same thing happened in Gath. Hemorrhoids, tumors, pain in the private parts. They send it to their friends in Ekron. I'm not making this stuff up. Read the chapter. They send it to their friends in Ekron. And the ark is the proverbial hot potato, burning everyone it touches. The Aquanites say, let's send it away. Send it anywhere but here. 1 Samuel 5, 10, chapter 6. They put the ark of God on a cart with five golden tumors and five golden rats, and they hitch the ark to a cart with cows, and they send it away. The Bible says, the cows went straight toward Israel, Beit Shemesh. The people of Beit Shemesh were out reaping their harvest. They look up and they see the ark coming and they see the cows and no driver. And after seven months, the ark is back and they're happy and they rejoice. Last time in chapter seven, the ark is now in Kirjath Jerim in the house of Abinadad who lived on a hill. The Bible tells us it was there 20 years and now Samuel is around 30 years old. Israel recognizes Samuel as the prophet and judge and the man that God uses. Look at chapter seven, verse six. Are y'all checking with me? Samuel is calling for absolute undivided loyalty and devotion to God. They gathered at Mitzvah. Mitzvah means watchtower. At Mitzvah, they drew water and they poured it out before the Lord, which was a symbolic gesture of repentance. Look at verse 7 of chapter 7. The Philistines heard that they were at Mitzvah. So the Philistines are probably thinking, we got them up on a hill. Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering. Verse 10 tells us of chapter 7. While Samuel is offering the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle, and the Lord thundered with a thunder upon the Philistines, and it confused, or the King Jimmy says, discomfited them, confused them. And that day Israel defeated the Philistines. Did you get that? Israel's trembling, Samuel's praying, the Lord is listening. Israel was victorious because, again, God gave them victory. Look at verse 12 of chapter 7. Tells us that Samuel took a stone and he set it up between Mitzvah and Shen and called the name of the place Ebenezer. Ebenezer means, thus far the Lord helped us. 
Ebenezer. We talked about Ebenezer, didn't we? We all need to set up an Ebenezer in our life. Something that calls you to remember the Lord and his faithfulness. My Ebenezer is a journal, a book that I write down my life and various things. I started in 1995, actually, when I got here. And uh, just writing down things, various things. And every time I read the word Ebenezer, I think of my book. So then I go back to my book, and I just read through it, and I remember the faithfulness of God. That's an Ebenezer. Israel set up an Ebenezer. Now listen, chapter 8 is very important. It's a very important turning point in Israel's history. Chapter 8 begins the second section of the book. Did you get that? Chapter 8 through 15, now we meet who? Saul, very good. Here in chapter 8, Israel asked for a king. Up till now, chapter 8, there's been a monarchy or king. All the way from Exodus, from Egypt, through the desert, into the promised land, God was in charge. Up until now, God had been ruling through a mediator, through a judge. Remember, Moses, Joshua, the judges? Ahithophel, Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, Gideon, Abimelech, Tola, who was the son of Pua, the son of Dodo, and Jair. Judges 13, read your Bibles, it's there. And Jephthah, who was the leader of the Tob mob. The Israel's, and in Israel's 10th and final and most famous judge, Samson. Up until now, Israel had a theocracy. Now Israel moves to a monarchy. They want to have a king like the other nations. The people don't want to be led by God anymore. They want to change. They want reform. They want to be like the other nations. And God said, fine, you want a king? I'll give you a king. And you're never going to forget him. First Samuel chapter 8. And we will read a couple of verses and then we'll come back and we'll have some comments. I've actually titled this sermon... Um, what did I title this sermon? I forgot now. Oh, give us a king. There you go. Give us a king. Yeah, give us a king. There you go. First Samuel, I have several titles. First Samuel chapter 8, we'll pick up in verse uh, 1. Look at verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, say amen. And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judge over Israel. The men of his firstborn, the name of the firstborn was Joel, and the name of the second was Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside. Are you watching this? After what? Dishonest gain. And what did they do? They took bribes and they perverted justice. And then all the elders of Israel gathered together and they came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, look, you are old. And your sons, these guys are not politically correct, are they? Look, you are old. Your your sons do not walk in your ways. Make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people and all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, come on, read the rest, 
but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day with which they have forsaken me and served other gods. So they are doing to you also. Now, therefore, Samuel, heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Let's put things in perspective. Let's define a few words for you, and we'll know what we're talking about. A theocracy, if you're taking notes, a theocracy means a system of government that priests rule in the name of God. A system of government that priests rule in the name of God. That's a theocracy. A monarchy is a system or government ruled by the king at the head. A system or government ruled by a king at the head. A theocracy and a monarchy. Israel moves from a theocracy. Now here in chapter 8, they're moving to a monarchy. Are you getting that? Up till now. Israel had been a theocracy, a nation ruled by God. But now beginning in chapter 8, Israel is going to become a monarchy, a nation ruled by kings. The monarchy begins here in chapter 8 and goes all the way through, if you're taking notes, through 1 Samuel chapter 31 to include 2 Samuel. It also includes 1 Kings chapter 1 through 11. It includes 1 and 2 Chronicles. The monarchy includes the writings of Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon. The monarchy lasts 120 years. There were three kings under the monarchy. Anybody know who those three kings were? Saul, David, and Solomon. Very good. Now think about this. The monarchy will be perfect when the government is a theocracy And a monarchy. Now, when will that take place? That'll take place when Jesus is ruling on the throne. Did you get that? Because Jesus is what? The king of kings and the Lord of lords. When Jesus is ruling on the throne, it will be a perfect government. But not until then. So don't get caught up in all of this. Because all of this ain't never going to be perfect. I don't care who's. Up in there. Clap your hands, saying, say amen. And they ain't never gonna be perfect. I'm amazed how people get all election time. They get all uh, churches start splitting and people start fighting and all this other kind of stuff. And it's like Christians, this is not your home, this is not your government. No one will be in the office that I'm happy with until Jesus is sitting there. And he's not gonna be sitting there. So don't get so caught up in all of that. It won't be perfect until the theocracy and the monarchy is one. This period of history opens up with Israel rejecting one ruler and crying out for another. Rejecting the rulership of God and crying out for the rulership of man. Now let's understand something before we go any further. It was God's intention, and listen to me close, saints. It was God's intention all along to establish a monarchy. God always wanted to give them a king. 
God, that was God's intention from the beginning. Genesis chapter 35, verse 11. Also God said to them, I am God Almighty, be fruitful, multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet. The scepter. That's a king, the scepter. Shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. God said to Moses, God was giving Moses directive on how to choose a king. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 14 and 15. When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you and possess it and dwell in it and say, I will set a king over me. Like all the other nations that are around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God does what, saints? Chooses one from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. In other words, God knew it was coming. So God set things in order. Now, what's the problem? The problem is timing. Ecclesiastes tells us there's a time for everything. There's a season for everything. A time and a purpose under the sun for everything. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to gain, a time to lose, a time to throw away, and a time to keep, a time to keep silent, and a time to speak. And there's a time to establish a king. And God's problem with Israel is timing. Their timing is wrong. Now, why is it a problem? Three things. Number one, I just told you, write it down. Wrong timing. They got ahead of the Lord. They should have chosen a king in God's time, not now. They asked for it, insisted on it, pushed for it, and wouldn't take no for an answer. Later in the chapter, we're going to see that they refuse to listen to Samuel's warning. They're choosing a king now, but it's 10 years prior to God's time. God's going to choose David in 10 years. Not now. Wrong timing, number one. Number two, wrong tribe. The king was supposed to come from the tribe of, anybody know? Judah. Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. Wrong timing, wrong tribe, wrong emphasis. They wanted a king like the other nations. They wanted a king like everyone else. That's the wrong reason, the wrong emphasis. They put emphasis on how the king looked. We'll see that in the coming chapters. They wanted tall, dark, and handsome. They wanted him to be king, kingly and kingly looking and majestic, majestic monarch. They wanted him to look like a king. Man looks at the outward, but God looks at the... And it came to pass in verse 1. Look at verse, chapter 8, verse 1. It came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judge. Between chapter 7 and chapter 8 is approximately 25 years. And Samuel's boys are helping out ministry. Now, if you're taking notes, the firstborn was Joel. Joel, that's a great name. It means Jehovah is God. Jehovah is God. 
and Abijah, his brother. His name means Yahweh or Jehovah is my father. Joel or Joel, Jehovah is God. Abijah, Jehovah is my father. These boys had a problem. They took bribes and they were dishonest. Now, I do find it interesting that Samuel would name his children Jehovah is my God and Jehovah is my father. When Samuel was four years old, you you remember the story. When Samuel was four years old, uh, Elkanah, his dad, and Hannah dropped him off at the temple, as they said. And while living in the temple and growing up in the temple, he learned Jehovah is my father. He learned Jehovah is my God. And I'm confident that Samuel, as a dad, did his best to communicate that. Verse 3 tells us his sons did not walk like their dad. They committed the three untouchables in ministry. Never touch the girls, the glory, or the gold. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.